and welcome to the FPL Lounge podcast. We are back with a fairly normal show previewing game week 17, but nothing is normal in the FPL world at the moment. My name is Chris Hopkins and I am joined by the FPL Lounge Twitter account to my Leeds United Twitter account. It's Andy Case. Andy, how are you doing? Not too bad, thank you very much. Um, getting more and more worried about the state of everyone in the country and the state of football more generally. I uh, we, we were chatting before about how in the first lockdown, not having football was a lot trickier than the second or third lockdowns we've had. Because at least, although you can't go out to places, you've got something uh, something to watch to keep you entertained. So yeah, it's um, it's dark times again. Yeah, I mean, I'd absolutely, and without without you piling on me about how much I watch the EFL, obviously my hometown team are an EFL team, but if they were, to, if you if you were to take Colchester United away from me at the moment, I don't think I'd be particularly upset, but I would be upset if you took Premier League football and FPL away from me. I think uh, I think I need a little bit of that to keep me going. Yeah, absolutely. I suppose what might be one positive, although not really of this time, is that. Uh, even if, obviously it wouldn't be great if Premier League gets taken away from us, but even if it does, it seems as though other countries are dealing with this slightly better than us. And so there might still be like some German league football to watch or we'll have to, you know, start supporting Borussia Mönchengladbach again and stuff like that. I'd rather, you'll, you can say that one. Uh, it's easier for you to say them for me, but yeah, that's what I end up. I mean, to be fair, uh, when, when the Bundesliga did return before the Premier League, uh, me and a few friends did get quite heavily into Bundesliga fantasy. Um, so maybe we'll have to branch out a little bit. We could do a little bit of that. It could be could be interesting. It's, uh... Yeah, I don't, I don't know what the uh, German word, I did German GCSE. I don't know what the, the, the word for lounge is in German. D, D-F-P-L lounge. Mm, yeah yeah uh we'll, we'll, we'll workshop that one i'm sure we can okay, come up with something yeah. something a little bit better um i mean we're we're, we're chuntering away here like we don't have loads to get through and, and of course as a, as with every podcast that we do have plenty to talk about on our preview shows we'll start by running through the uh the, the fixtures for game week 17 then we'll have a quick chat about this week's talking points and, and as andy and i are recording this podcast just after we finish recording uh, this 15 and 16 review plenty has changed in fpl even just while we were having having our lunch and chowing down on some on some christmas leftovers so i'm sure there's plenty to talk about there we've got a few new players on the radar for for listeners to get get their teeth into uh, and then we're going to have a swimming it against the tide and we'll round off with captaincy and by playing who the heck is stat but anyway let's start by looking at the fixtures the first fixtures in 2021 for FPL. Uh, the first fixture is at seven is at 5.30, which means your FPL deadline on New Year's Day while you're nursing your hangover is at 4 p.m. And that first fixture of the new year is Everton West Ham, and that's followed by Manchester United Aston Villa at eight o'clock. Moving on to Saturday, you've got Spurs versus Leeds, Crystal Palace versus Sheffield United, Brighton versus Wolves, and West Brom versus Arsenal. Then on Sunday, all being well, we should have Burnley against Fulham, then Newcastle, Leicester, and then Chelsea, Man City. And the final fixture is a Monday night football, Monday the 4th of January, Southampton versus Liverpool. So as I said there, Andy, all being well, but obviously since we since we wrapped up recording our 15-16 review and started recording our 17 preview, a uh, second match in game week 16 has fallen foul of coronavirus. I mean... I think it's going to be really difficult for FPL managers to kind of navigate their way through this. But ultimately, I guess the takeaway is going to be at some stage, 
these matches are going to get rearranged. There's going to be more double game weeks for play, for, 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 for certain assets. And it's just going to be impossible for, for FPL managers really to know when they're going to be and to try and come up with a bit of a strategy for it. So in previous seasons, those who had forward plan for double and blank game weeks, because they didn't happen very often, were the ones who had a slight edge over others. Those who could be bothered to take it seriously enough, I guess, to do like we've been saying for the past few weeks, planning your free transfers towards the, what looks like a double game week 19, if that's your strategy, or leaving your wild card, like a lot of people had done, to game week 16, rather than spending it early in the season um, so that you can use the wild card to, to, to plan for game week um, double game week 19 but now um a lot of that is this season in particular going to be just thrown out the window there's obviously those who can who have planned and can try and plan we can all try and plan as best we can um for those various different game weeks but there's just so a lot of what happens for teams and players this year is going to come down to luck basically you're not gonna you can't exactly know which game's going to get called off like chris has just said we've just had the fulham spurs game called off which does that then bring into question the burnley fulham fixture for example in this next round of fixtures we already know that city everton was called off and that was because of an outbreak in city's team so there's already question marks over city's fixture at chelsea in this game week 17 between now and the deadline, there could be other positive tests in other teams. And so even if you try and navigate around City and Fulham uh, players, you know, and you pick ones from other teams, who knows that that could mean more of an outbreak um, in, in one of those teams. So, yeah, it's, it, there's just so much that you can't control and that you can't know. So forward planning becomes very, very difficult, even for the most kind of... Um, well-prepared or observant um, FPL managers. And then I guess, you know, one thing, again, that we've been speaking about recently, at least before the most recent coronavirus news, is obviously taking advantage of using chips or otherwise of, of the blank game week and the double game weeks coming up. And then obviously, you know, at the top of the show, we were... You know, expressing our concern potentially about football not being around or you know, football sort of taking a taking a break, whether that's you know indefinite or some sort of circuit break, um, to try and at least you know uh, limit the spread among football clubs. Um, you know, the Premier League seems to be indicating that that's not something that they're exploring, but I guess you know things can change pretty quickly. Um, so you know, I think FPL managers have probably at least you know if if if, if they haven't been looking at the blank uh the blank and double game weeks then 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 you know they probably haven't been listening to to our podcast but um but, but i you know there is some worry i guess some concern that that any preparations that managers have been making for those might also go out the window so i mean i guess is is fpl becoming more and more of just a week to week proposition you just kind of got to you know ride ride the wave a little bit well it is a bit i think yeah but it, uh <sighs> On this game week that's coming up, you know, we've I've already just mentioned a couple of fixtures that could be affected there. But yeah, if there is some type of circuit breaker or pause in the season or whatever, then that could mean this whole blank and double game that we've been preparing for for ages is is completely thrown up. They're talking about maybe there's some rumours that they could just have that circuit breaker after the FA Cup games, and then that means. Um, You'd, you'd, they wouldn't have this mini mid-season break that's caused the blank and double game weeks. They'd just have the break, obviously, during this this coronavirus pause. Um, and when we come back, we'd have a full normal game week 18 and a full normal game week 19. So a lot of team, uh, yeah, a lot of managers' teams will be kind of loaded towards one way or the other of those, and probably thinking about a free hit in the other, maybe. And that's all kind of up up in the air and for nothing almost potentially now. So. 
yeah, you 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 can't plan too far ahead, and you kind of just got to think about um, this next week at this stage. But I, I, I'd be reluctant even to give people that advice because then if things don't change or it, you know it changes so that there's even more double matches in the double game week i don't know um then you know people could have could end up falling behind by not having taken those um the original plan into account or dismissing what was originally planned so i don't it's you, you you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't at the moment so i guess for our pod and what we're going to be sort of you know informing our listeners with i, I guess we're just going to treat the FPL game, I guess, as as it is when we record, and uh, I guess that's a nice little segue then into our players on the radar because ultimately, you know, some of the the, the four players that we're going to highlight here with sort of two honourable mentions or two very small mentions for, for for a few more. I mean, they're just players that are just generally impressing us, you know, in the fixtures that are being played at the moment. So, so let's start actually um, at Arsenal. I think on our fifteen sixteen preview, we flagged up some that Arsenal had some very good fixtures, but we weren't really um, you know, particularly uh, thinking that any, any, any particular Arsenal asset was, was maybe worth owning. And I think, uh, I think you, your phrase was, if you put a gun to my head, it would be Saka. Um, and since then, He's had some pretty good performances and seems to be a key part of almost everything that Arsenal do and was, was our top differential uh, in our game week 15 and 16 review show. Yeah, exactly. And there's a reason that he, you know, if I'd had to have picked someone, um, like you said, the reason I was going with him is because when we've when we've recently looked at a lot of the kind of budget midfielder options, he hasn't been as high as some of the others, but his underlying stats have been pretty good. And for a team that haven't generally created much but put many good stats down, then then that was kind of something in his favour um, that he was kind of up there mixing it at least with with some of those other budget midfielders. Um, he he's always pretty much started. He's looked good on the eye, both for England and Arsenal when he's when he's played. Like you mentioned, I think he you know he had something a bit different. Um, so that was kind of why he was the one um, that that probably would have you would have gone with, or we said we would have gone with if we'd had to pick an Arsenal player. But then now, obviously, since then as well, yeah, he he's obviously um, ha- produced you know a bit more in terms of the underlying stats and in terms of actual returns obviously goal and an assist against Chelsea in in that game week 15 so um yeah showing that he he can produce and in that system that kind of Arsenal have played with like the youth youthful um sort of regeneration almost uh, he he's he's heavily involved and he'll he'll know a lot of those players that have been coming in the team having played with them He's on a lot of set pieces. I think he's he's on su- at least corners from the left. I don't know about corners from the right and some free kicks. So, he, you know, he's got set piece potential and his, his price also helps him to stand out as well. 5.2 million currently, you know, that for, for the fixtures that Arsenal have got coming up, I think it's um the next two being West Brom and Crystal Palace, which is, you know, over the last four or five game weeks, the teams who've conceded the most chances are those two teams. So, yeah, um, and then with Newcastle after that as well, if are up there in terms of conceding chances, it's it's um it's a good run for 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 any attacking player that. Yeah, I think you know, and uh, at five point two million really is a, a, a you know a decent budget shout. I know, like you say, we've mentioned quite a few good budget midfield options uh, over the last you know, game weeks, but Saka's definitely sort of rising in, in our estimations. Um, and yeah, you know, we did highlight Arsenal's good fixtures, and and if he can take advantage of those and continue to get minutes, then then yeah, he he really could sort of you know be the cream of uh, of those kind of under five and a half million. Um, midfield options. I guess two more sort of Arsenal players that we're going to give this a, a really small mention to. Um, they're in, I guess, a similar kind of vein to Saka. Um, 
but but slightly cheaper. I mean, Martinelli, I think he sort of burst onto the scene last season in 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 the League Cup and in Europe. You know, he he plays more as a forward, but has been playing kind of out wide. I think for as Andy said in in Arteta's kind of more youthful regeneration recently, um, following some some really poor Arsenal results. He's about four point nine million, so maybe isn't uh, you know, isn't uh, you know, a, fa- a favourite option, but but wouldn't shock me one bit if he did start scoring goals. And then Emil Smith Rowe. I mean, we've mentioned before Curtis Jones at Liverpool, who's getting starts at 4.4 million um, and Emil Smith-Rowe is now getting starts at 4.4 million. Um, it doesn't have the greatest underlying stats, but does have, a, you know, a, some, some creative, um, you know, a creative sort of head for, head for the game, I think, and, and did impress um, at Huddersfield, although Huddersfield weren't particularly great when he was there. Um, you know, he's got some Got got some elite minutes, I guess, in Europe and 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 in the League Cup as well. So and seems to be quite well liked by Arsenal fans. Um, that, you know, as a fan base, it's fairly hard to impress sometimes. I think that that can be quite interesting. So so yeah, you know, if you are really looking to 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 move off maybe a slightly more expensive midfielder to a cheaper one to to allow you to move some funds elsewhere, then in a similar vein to Curtis Jones a few weeks ago, Emil Smith Rowe could continue to be a decent option. I guess we want to see all three of them continue to get minutes continue to get starts and and hopefully get some returns before we're uh, before we're reaching to put them in our teams Andy yeah I wouldn't put Saka in the same bracket as the other two from from that point of view in this in the sense that I would I would much be much more likely to be getting Saka in my team soon because we have that evidence over last season and this um, and I think he's more nailed on for starts but the other two yeah I mean they're they're cheap and again at the same price I'd probably go Curtis Jones at the moment over you know Liverpool are a lot more creative and generally get more goals and and whatever but still the very definition of the radar is uh that these two you know i'm happy to have them on the radar because you can have the different levels of someone that you're happy you're looking to get in your team straight away and these two which yeah at their price if they're going to start regularly for arsenal and arsenal come into better form then they're worth kind of keeping an eye on absolutely absolutely yeah perhaps more on the periphery of our radar one guy who probably isn't on the periphery of our, of our radar and almost, almost certainly now has uh, really announced himself to FPL managers over the last four game weeks is, is El Ghazi at Villa. Um, you know, 3.6 expected goal involvements over the last four games. That's top among midfielders and just 5.8 million. Um, I mean, is there any reason, Andy, why he shouldn't be going into FPL teams? Well, there's. I mean, he's been being tipped up in other places that maybe a little bit even before this. So I think I think his underlying numbers have been very good for a good few weeks now. Man, I, I guess don't he... think this is the first time we've mentioned him. To be fair, I think we have mentioned him before. So you know, let's uh, let's give ourselves a bit of bit of credit. Yeah, no, sure. But I guess he's just he, uh, for us. We're me and you particularly, Chris. And I guess this comes through probably on the podcast because me and you run it. Uh, that we're a little bit more cautious, right? We we we. It's rare that you or I will jump to get someone in after one or two good weeks. We'll want a little bit more evidence. Um, and so I guess for us, El Ghazi's shown that now more consistent starts, more consistent underlying numbers and returns. Because that's the thing, he's not just getting these good underlying numbers. Because we talked about someone like um, Cavaliero at Fulham who was getting similar numbers a couple of weeks ago, but just wasn't returning and didn't look like good good finisher. Whereas El Ghazi is is scoring the goals. He's getting the assist as well um and he look and he's on penalties so it's another plus um but um so so it's it's yeah it's evidence it's kind of firmer evidence there um i suppose a slight thing to look out for would maybe be given that you sort of said uh, yeah i can't see a reason why not 
a reason why not might be that Ross Barkley might be returning soon. And there's a question mark over who, obviously not dropping Grealish. So does Ross Barkley come straight back into the team? I mean, there's question marks. He, he should probably have to earn it. But if, if he if he does come back in, it's likely one of Traore or an El Ghazi. Now, I think El Ghazi has been the better of the two. However, he plays in Grealish's preferred position out on the left there. So that's the thing that could maybe be a risk for him, whether they'd swap El Ghazi out onto the right and drop Traore, possibly. Um, but Traore kind of comes in and cut, you know, from the right and cuts onto his left foot. So, yeah, there, there's no reason i don't think to be dropping our guards at this point but it's just something to kind of be aware of as as as, as a perhaps caveat but like you say he's that stat about his expected goal involvement isn't just even though he's only 5.8 million and we have mentioned a few budget midfielders that isn't of midfielders under 6 million or anything like that some of these stats we've mentioned for these midfielders in, in previous weeks it's a comparison to others in their price range that's ahead of anyone ahead of bruno ahead of sterling ahead of salah mané uh, Kevin De Bruyne, all of them. El Ghazi has those fantastic underlying numbers over the last four or five weeks, and that is significant. Yeah, absolutely. I think he, uh, yeah, he, you know, he, he, he has been a bit of a bit of a surprise since he's come into the side, and I guess you know, penalties have helped inflate that. But he is, you know, does seem to be a kind of fundamental part of how Villa are playing at the moment. And and yeah, you know, when they've had injuries, it's just they've just had you know, ready-made replacements, and I think that's probably a testament to, to how Dean Smith has got them set up. Um, I guess let's talk about another kind of replacement, a guy who wasn't really getting many minutes at the start of the season in Gilfie Sigurdsson. Um, he's 6.8 million, so you know, a little bit more expensive, but has some has some decent fixtures coming up. And uh, and yeah, has has also been on a pretty decent kind of points points run uh, over the last sort of four game weeks, at least where when Everton have played. Obviously, their uh, their game week 16 match against Man City was, was postponed. Um, you know, he is a player that has some good FPL pedigree from many years gone by. Uh, I think, you know, you've mentioned before that you used to have him when he was at Spurs and, and at Swansea. Um, but yeah, he seems to be having a bit of a renaissance, um, possibly because, you know, he's tends to, you know, he, I guess he's perhaps trying to recreate a little bit of, of, of what James Rodriguez was trying to do at Everton. Um, but but uh, yeah, Gilfie has the, has the added bonus of being their penalty taker. Well, exactly. Yeah, he's on a lot of set pieces, free kicks as well. I think often he takes a lot of the free kicks around the box. And with Dean, with Luca Dean and Hammers not there, there's probably not many people in front of him in in the queue for those sort of direct attacking free kicks as well as as well as the penalties. Um, his price is a bit more attractive than in previous years. In previous years, he's been as much as eight, maybe even eight point five million uh, playing for Everton, which I just think you you know isn't justifiable for the the outputs he produces but at 6.8 and particularly on his recent form yeah maybe a little bit more interested he's um Everton have not created very much that's the caveat though they really have not created I think they're something like second or third bottom in in chances created um or you know expected goals created uh, over the last four game weeks so that is really not great for Everton um and obviously you know includes Sigerson in in that so I'm I'm a little I'm I'm kind of holding back a little bit more on Everton kind of generally I suppose in, including Sigerson himself but at 6.8 million I, I'm more likely to kind of get involved you know Hamez uh if he was a similar price to Hamez although his points output is similar I, I just think 
you know his ceiling is is at this stage a little bit lower and I, I probably wouldn't be wouldn't be kind of thinking about it so yeah in terms of the the points you get for his price he could well be a, a, a reasonable option and and um like like everything we're saying a lot of this is dependent on what happens with coronavirus and fixtures and stuff but he and Everton will have had a rest this week and they're not the ones with the coronavirus cases so potentially this week off has maybe been a good thing for them and they might that might help them with the sort of um quick turnaround for playing or what would have been a quick turnaround isn't now for playing on on Friday night yeah like you say they've got West Ham Friday night and then and then Wolves and Aston Villa I mean they're not the worst fixtures but not the best fixtures coming up so so yeah and things do get a little bit more mixed for them after that they've got a few fours in the in the FPL's difficulty rating so so maybe if you are going to think about Sigurdsson maybe now is the time also perhaps before before James Rodriguez gets gets back to full fitness and then Luca Dean as well who might take some set piece opportunities away from him um that's one more than on our radar and I got I must confess this guy's a, this guy does excite me a little bit um, we're going to talk about Edison Cavani, and it's very rare, I guess, that on, on the FPL Land podcast we'll be talking about a genuinely world-class player on the radar at 7.8 million. But I, 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 you know, it's going to be going to be no shock to most listeners about why he is on the radar, or you know, why he's not you know, instantly going into teams. It's going to be starts, but you know, from what we're seeing from Manchester United at the moment, especially compared to some of their uh, some of their other attacking options, and we'll t- give a quick plug to our 15 and 16 review show and our stats versus eye test review. Um, I mean, there's a reason why Cavani should be getting more starts, Andy. Well, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, is he a better finish than Martial? Yeah, absolutely. And we've been through this in the, in the last preview and review show, so we won't go over it again, but um, he uh, he's, he's a world, world world-class finisher, like you said, and there was question marks at the start of the season over his legs and his attitude, but he's completely you know quash those as far as I'm concerned he's absolutely everywhere when he's on the pitch he's created plenty he's he's had plenty of good opportunities he's had goals and assists in the in the limited time he's had um so the fact he's 30 you know Jamie Vardy's 33 and he's 10.2 million in FPL and people don't bat an eyelid at at paying that for him Cavani's 7.8 million and arguably a better finisher if not as good a finisher as Vardy um and he looks just and he runs around the pitch and probably has a slightly even arguably greater assist potential than Vardy maybe even as well. So I guess the downside for him compared to a Vardy would be obviously he's not, he's not on penalties, but that's a high bar. And um, at seven, yeah, 7.8 million. I think, um, I think you said he was something like third most uh, expected goal involvement per 90 um, among strikers over the last four game weeks. So, you know, that sounds quite convoluted, but we have to put in that per 90 because if you just, if you're, if you're just comparing his expected goals output to um, all the other strikers, you know, in, in the sort of raw sense of the numbers, it's kind of a bit unfair because he hasn't had as much kind of game time as some of those others. So in the time he does get, um, his output for, for the amount of minutes he has on the pitch is, is, is fantastic. And if so, therefore, if he starts to get more starts, you could hope, and, and I don't think it'd be an unreasonable hope, that that, that would go up um, uh, alongside it. Yeah, I mean, as someone who's looking to, to, to maybe get off Vardy soon. Um, Cavani is, is is a guy that I'm just looking at, and I'm just so, just so tempted. And it's you know partly down to his price, partly down to you know, obviously he's got he's got an incredible ceiling. But but you would want to see you'd want to see, you would want to see starts for 7.8 million. And I think um you know as as Andy and I have said before, there are plenty of good strikers around kind of that six million mark. Ollie Watkins and Patrick Bamford being being two pretty good cases. Um so, so yeah, Cavani is perhaps a bit of a stretch, but but you know I think. 
Ollie seems to have hinted, hasn't he, in, in the media that maybe Edison Cavani is going to start to get more starts. Um, I guess, you know, from, from an FPL point of view, we want to see those in the Premier League rather than in, in the cup competitions and in Europe when that resumes. Um, let's take a quick break then, Andy. I feel like we're, we're making great time so far today, but we're probably not, probably just a figment of my, of my imagination. Um, but yeah, we'll take a quick break now. And when we come back, we will put on our speedos and swim against the tide. Here at the FPL Lounge, we are keen to hear from you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at FPL underscore lounge and let us know what you think. During the season, we will have new episodes out twice a week, a preview show on a Friday and a review show on a Tuesday. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your pods so that you get the show before the all-important game week deadline. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge. Welcome back then so yes i said that we'd be putting on our speedos we've got some lovely new trunks for christmas didn't we andy both of us uh fpl lounge branded maybe maybe we should actually start that maybe we can get a little bit of merch going for for, for our tens of listeners and um, i'm sure of all of the merch that we could create i'm sure speedos is exactly what they want i mean your thoughts on that i mean i think if you and i were to model them as well chris then they're 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 going to sell like hotcakes. They're next next year's uh, big, big present for, for Christmas and birthdays, really, or, or any festivities. Hopefully, you know, they give us some extra bank holidays next year because of the rubbish ones we've had this year. And, and just another reason to buy someone a present. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, you know, I guess when you're talking about Speedos, um, there's often a reference to a bulge. But I think the bulge that I've got at the moment would be going over the top of the of the speedos uh, overhang from from too much christmas pudding um but but you know, anyway enough about that because i think we'll be uh, we'll be putting too many too many listeners off but then we might be putting listeners off with our swimming against the tide this week because um yeah lots of managers albeit you know, maybe not in the sheer raw numbers as usual but jack Grealish at the moment is the second most transferred out and the most transferred out non-injured player i mean Grealish is a guy that uh, has divided us a few times. Um, I'm not always that sure about him, but his numbers do speak for themselves. So we don't really think that there's much of a reason to get rid of him. No, so I, I can imagine that El Ghazi, you know, we just mentioned El Ghazi's output and also Traore, who we didn't mention on on the, um, on the radar. Uh, both of those have been scoring plenty of goals and getting plenty of fantasy points for Villa this season. And they're a couple of million cheaper than Grealish. So I can imagine, and I think El Ghazi is in that top five transferred in. I can imagine there's a fair few people maybe making that jump and thinking, well, look, if I'm going to have a Villa attacking player, let's go for one who's a couple of million cheaper, um, who who's getting kind of more points at the moment. But I think... You know, given that our transfers are so few and, you know, you only get one a week and there's so much going on with coronavirus at the moment that to move from one Villa player to another or, frankly, if Grealish is in your team, to move off Grealish onto almost anyone else seems a bit premature at this point. Um, he's, um, you know, firstly, you've probably got players in your team from those 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 clubs who've had cancelled fixtures. So you, you're probably going to, you, you know, you want to focus your one free transfer in somewhere where it can make the most impact. That'd be the first point, not even related to Grealish. But then secondly, you know, Grealish's underlying numbers have, even though he's blanked in the last couple of game weeks, his, his, his kind of numbers haven't dipped at all. Over the last five game weeks, you know, in total, he's fourth. Um, of all midfielders for expected goal invo- involvement. Um, and although three of those fixtures were were sort of a bit more sort of straightforward on paper, you know, that does also include Wolves and Chelsea away. So, um, uh, yeah, it, 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 that, that's a reasonable kind of comparison to be making. And I think something else that's playing into maybe, I would imagine, people, 
the manager's thinking is, okay, his numbers have been good over the last few game weeks still, but they're maybe looking ahead to those. So Villa's next three, um, you know, we were saying quite a few weeks ago about Villa having a great run of fixtures up until till Christmas. Well, that is, you know, the fat man's come down the chimney and that has now ended. So uh, it's um, it's United, Tottenham and Everton, the next three up for uh, for Aston Villa, which, you know, potentially on paper is tough, but... I mean, maybe not either. I think I think Villa have kept the most clean sheets of anyone this season. So, and obviously Grealish is in for for a clean sheet point. And United, Tottenham, and Everton, have we mentioned Tottenham and Everton are not creating much at the moment. Um, and going the other way in terms of affecting Grealish's attacking output. Well, again, I think because they're big name clubs, people are getting put off by by those three fixtures coming up. But the numbers just don't don't speak to that. I mean, if you've listened to the FPL lounge at all, you'll know what I think about United's defence. Um, and as much as the uh, uh, as much as my opinion, I'm sure counts for lots in people's minds. The, the hard numbers are that they're not kind of amazing. They've not been awful, but by the data, but. But, you know, they're all all three of those clubs are sort of mid table in terms of expected goals conceded. Um, Spurs are actually sixth, So that's a bit a, a bit loose, you know, a wide net to call that mid table. But over the last four or five game weeks, certainly mid table because they were second at one point, And so they've dropped down quite considerably, been conceding more chances in the last few game weeks. Um, but and also mid table for clean sheets, you know, they've out of 16 game weeks, although they haven't all played, but they've all played at least, say, 14 games. Right. Uh, they've only had four, five and four respectively. So Tottenham with the five clean sheets and, and four apiece for, for United and Everton. So it's not like there's a huge um, chance of them stifling Grealish's attacking threat either. Yeah, I guess I guess what my concern about him all season has been that there isn't doesn't appear always to be lots of consistency, or at least in terms of his returns. And I think you know, although you mentioned his expected goal involvements over the last five, I mean he has only got one return in his last or one match, sorry, with a return in his last five. Um, he's got sort of four or five double-digit hauls this year, and then has some, tended to blank some of the other weeks. And I guess maybe that's just. You know, he uh, he's not streaky, but he tends to kind of go big or or, or 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 does very little. And I guess, but I guess what we're kind of saying here is that that's going to continue, and we don't really feel that that's likely to drop off massively. And in fact, you know, although he does go big in big in some games, and then doesn't have doesn't return in some others, that ends up actually leveling out his xG and his xGi. He doesn't massively under or overperform in either of those metrics greatly. And I think actually one point that you made, I think on, on, on the review show, particularly in that Crystal Palace game, is that you know, he is providing lots and lots of chances, but it's actually generally Ollie Watkins that you know, limited his, 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 his numbers in that game because he didn't end up, um, you know, he, he laid on several chances for Watkins and, and Watkins uh, didn't, didn't end up putting any, any of them away. Conversely, Villa scored three in that game and Watkins got three assists, which is you know, just, you know, just how FPL rolls sometimes. So, so yeah. But, anyway, the, but, well, but those two things are linked though, right? Because at least a couple of those I can remember were Ollie Watkins taking a shot, keeper saving it or hitting the bar or something. And then someone at like, I think one of them El Ghazi followed in and the other one was Hawes from the header from, a corner so um go, so like that the two yeah two of those assists are because he didn't finish well enough to score the goal in the first instance yeah i guess i guess i guess you know just uh you know without kind of putting you back on the spot i think one thing that, that you said about james rodriguez earlier in the season was that you know he might not he, he he might not end up getting the the assist if he gives sort of you know the pass before the assist and if Grealish is doing that and we've spoken about his change of position then maybe you could understand why some people are perhaps getting off him, but but as far as the numbers are concerned, I I don't really see the point. You know, I'm I'm not a Grealish owner, but I 
definitely wouldn't be looking to get away from him this week if I if I was. And and yeah, I think uh, I think while the raw numbers aren't massively high in in people just kind of getting rid of him, he is the second most transferred out. And like I said, the most transferred out of of any non-injured player. That seems a little bit premature to me, particularly when you know we do know how how classy he is and what potential he does have. Um, any anything else on 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 Jackie Grealish, Andy, or shall we crack on? Yeah, I mean, just just, just to say, I think I think. A lot of the debate we've had there has been about the merits of Grealish or otherwise generally as a player, right? But in terms of transfers out, to transfer him out, he'd have to be in your team already, right? So it's kind of like, is that the one player you're going to use your free transfer on this week? And that's the thing we're swimming against more. We could sit, we could sit here and have that back and forth again about whether he's worth a good player. I, I think he is, and I think he's worth having in, in your team, frankly. But look, if he is in your team, is it worth using that one precious free transfer you have on him to get him out? Is that the most urgent thing? Absolutely. And I just absolutely can't think it can be given his, his underlying numbers. So it's a, yeah, wherever you fall on that side of the fence or whether he's a good player or not, I guess the point we're making here is the, the thing we're swimming against the tide of is getting him, getting rid of him if he's already in your team. Yeah, absolutely. He's owned by about 40% of, F, of FPL managers. And like, like we say, second most transferred out this week. It does seem a little bit strange to us. Let's crack on then with captaincy. I mean, captaincy is, 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 is one one strange mixed bag this week. There doesn't seem to be any... I mean, Andy and I were going through these and there wasn't any one fixture or, or, or one sort of clear captain that we fancied. And even in our in what I describe as our long list before we sort of narrow it down, um, with, with with some analysis, I don't think there was anyone here that we were really talking ourselves into. Mostly, we were just talking ourselves out of them. So maybe one will come become clear as we go through them. Uh, I don't see any way Andy other to do this than, than than just by going through the list in order that we have on our sheet, which I think is in terms of in terms of fixtures uh, chronologically through the, through the week. So let's start with DCL versus West Ham United. I mean. DCL was a guy earlier in the season that we said, you know, is he becoming or is he now a week in, week out captaincy option? And I think our conclusion was yes. I guess my question to you, considering Everton's lack of creativity recently, is he still a week on week captaincy option? Well, that I would say week on week, no. I, d- I just don't think you can say that. Like like we've mentioned a couple of times, Everton's creative output has just been so woeful, you know, that over the last four full game weeks, uh, at least, because, you know, they didn't play in 16. So the last four game weeks in which everyone's played, Everton are second bottom. Only West Brom have created less from open play than Everton. And that, that so, that, so that's a, a damning indictment. And even if you include set plays, they're still sort of about fourth or fifth bottom. Um, so it, it's not great either way you're, you're looking at it there. And that, that's not great if you're looking at DCL as a captaincy option. DCL as an individual player, been very impressed with his finishing this season. And he's still not blanked in many game weeks, um, even though Everton's attacking output has decreased. But I just think it's so hard um, if, without without that support. We're, we're hopeful. Uh, that's why Sigurdsson's on our radar that, um, you know, he will still be able to provide some things for DCL. But... Um, you know, you want, I guess, for your captaincy pick, you want something a, probably a little bit more nailed on than that. Um, I mean, in his favour this week is that West Ham will have had a quick turnaround and Everton have had a break, kind of like we said about Sigurdsson before. So, 
you know, if there's if there's some early, you know, listen out for the for the team news and and press conferences of what Moyes is saying about how depleted West Ham's squad is or isn't, uh, maybe that might just swing it. Especially if maybe if anyone any of those creative players do happen to kind of come back for Everton, I don't know if that's a possibility at all. But yeah, keep keep an ear out, I guess, for the as we always say for those press conferences. But I guess I'd probably be looking for a little bit more certainty. Yeah, in his uh, 15 game weeks so far this season, only blanked in three, but his goals have dried up and they're turning into assists. And I guess that's, uh, you know, he's not losing many points as a striker when that happens, but I guess if he's your captain, then he is losing two. And, and yeah, obviously earlier in the season, he was getting, um, you know, he's obviously scored a hat-trick one week. He's got, I think he's got a brace. Sometimes he's got goals and assists in the same game week. That doesn't appear to be happening. But as we've said before, I think all you can really ask from a, from a captain is at least one return, whether that's a goal or an assist. And, uh, and yeah, you know, Dominic Calvert-Lewin does seem to be fairly reliable, even if his uh, his his maybe his ceiling isn't quite as high as maybe these two uh, in Bruno Bruno Fernandez and Marcus Rashford against Villa. I mean, generally speaking, we wouldn't often tip up um, many players playing Villa as captaincy options. But I guess when your name is Bruno Fernandez and your name is Marcus Rashford and the form that you're in, you probably could definitely haul. Um, in any given week, but 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 maybe against Villa, where where I think Tyro Mings is still suspended. Yeah, so I think um, Bruno and Rashford have both played a lot of minutes, and we've mentioned this a few times. You know, they've looked they looked a bit leggy against Wolves. Although Wolves did sit back a lot, it was difficult for United to break them down. And I do worry about either. Firstly, their minutes, you know, they're going to have to be managed at some point. And then secondly, even if they do start, are they going to be up to their kind of you know maximum? Um, possible potential so there are slight question marks there for me with them with them both but given the form they're in like you've said and any also you know it, like you've also said it's a mixed bag of options this week I think these two could be two of your your best uh, your best bets I think you're going to be gambling almost whoever you go with this week with your captaincy and you know as we mentioned the form they're in that they're, they're maybe the types of people you'd want to be more likely to gamble with certainly and then I guess two more gambles. I mean, usually, again, we would probably tip up premium assets against Leeds, considering how leaky Leeds' defence can be, although they've, they have kept a couple of clean sheets uh, recently. Um, but we don't really feel at the moment as though we can trust Son and Kane just because Spurs, like Everton, aren't really creating a lot going forward. No, they're really, they're really not. And it's funny, isn't it? Because, yeah, had, had we been doing this a couple of weeks ago when we were highlighting how many chances Leeds have been conceding, maybe, and, and obviously Son and Kane hadn't had quite the dry spell then, we probably would be absolutely tipping these up as the best options this week. But now, I, I don't have Kane, I have Son, but I just don't think I could go anywhere near him for Cap. I'm just too unsure. Like, it's it's becoming this trend of Tottenham not not um creating now. Like, like we said, over the last four game weeks, um, full game week because obviously now they're not playing in 16 so between game weeks 12 and 15 created just 3.25 xg so that's including open play and set play and that second bottom of all clubs again only where only west brom when you combine open play and set play have 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 created less over the last four full game weeks than tottenham have so that is a worrying um, statistic and would kind of draw you away from picking a spurs attacking player as your captain yeah, I guess they will have had that rest um, because because obviously their fixture is postponed in game week 16. But but yeah, I'm still not sure if, if if I'd be looking that way. And like you say, it's really interesting because a couple of weeks ago, Son and Kane against a very leaky defence that gives up a lot of chances, you'd have been licking your lips, but 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 perhaps not not this time round. Um, maybe then the safest option, if 
uh, FPL managers own him is Jamie Vardy at Newcastle, having just come off a rest where he you know was rested in in Leicester's last game, um, and Newcastle probably out of out of some of these the best the best matchup for for for, for sort of high attacking returns. I think probably, uh, you know, Vardy's been very consistent this season and although it doesn't feel that glamorous maybe going for him in the, in this game, yeah, you almost think he's he's gonna surely going to start after having had that rest. Ian Acho did himself no favours about getting more minutes. So you, again, you think it's on Rodgers' mind to play Vardy as much as he can in the league. Um, and yeah, Newcastle have conceded, you know, plenty of chances this season. So um, yeah, Vardy against against that, that Newcastle defence is, is possibly your, your best shout there, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Vardy. Like, I think I, I've mentioned before, Vardy's a player that I'm trying to, you know, maybe get get away from in my team, um, just because he's fairly expensive and might want to move some funds around. But, but yeah, I don't think I'll be I'll be getting rid of him this week with that matchup, considering some of the other poor ones. And I guess finally, then on on on, is it the Monday night? I think it is uh, Liverpool at uh, Southampton. Salah and Mane must be considered, you know, captaincy options almost every week. I guess maybe maybe some would even favour Mane if you believe in 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 some weird conspiracy about how players always score against their former clubs but but yeah I mean this isn't a great matchup for Liverpool either Southampton have been fairly resolute this year um and 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 you know the, the, the table speaks for itself and, and the position that they're in um and you know have have kept clean sheets Vestergaard and Bednarek have been um you know have, have got plaudits although I believe uh, I believe at least one of them is, is probably injured for this game um but but yeah I mean I guess it's difficult to talk people out of Salah and Mane, but then might they, you know, people might easily think that there are other equally good options because um, this one isn't really standing out massively. Yeah, Salah and Mane are good enough to score against anyone, right? So they blanked, uh, well, Salah blanked at home to West Brom, which is which is uh, a rough one, but he could go and score, yeah, against any team in the league. So, you know, if he's a premium player and you own him, almost just trust him, I guess. And why not? I mean, I know that I know of people who literally just put the captain armband on Salah in their team and then just don't touch it all season and just think, well, we'll ride the peaks and the troughs and it'll, it'll work out over the course of the season, which probably isn't, isn't the worst, you know, decision to make ever. He's one of the highest scoring players in the game, isn't he? So yeah. Um, but so in, in any given game week, I guess, again, you're going to have to listen out for team news. If they both play again uh, tonight, then does that what does that mean for their minutes? And will they play against Southampton in, in game week 17? I don't know. So uh, I guess that would be the thing to look out for. But uh, yeah, Salah Mane could, could, could score against anyone. One one final caveat I guess I'd give on on, on that is... is we we sort of did mention that Southampton had been doing quite well defensively, but we when we we spoke about it, their underlying numbers hadn't been great. Their clean sheets have been kind of, you know, not not really been backed up. They should have conceded more goals than that. They were kind of getting, a, I guess, a bit lucky there. And there was a particular game against Villa which highlighted that quite significantly earlier in the season. Um, but in recent weeks, they're actually their numbers are catching up. So that would be the kind of the, the slight caveat there. They've they've been getting clean sheets, but they've been deserving to be. So that that, that luck has kind of turned into a more kind of stru- uh, structured and and consistent d- d- defensive unit. Yeah, I think they're third for expected goals conceded over the last four full game weeks. So only Villa and City have conceded fewer chances, which is interesting. 
Yeah, definitely, definitely one one to watch. But and yeah, as you say, um, I think you know, I guess monitoring Salah and Mane's minutes is 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 is, is definitely you know legitimate and reasonable. But as we did mention, they seem to be Liverpool seem to be benefiting from from slightly more rest over the festive period than perhaps other teams. Um, obviously they're they're last to play in game week sixteen, but I think they're last to play in game week uh, seventeen as well. Um, I guess I'd just say to you, Chris, because um, we've given—I guess—we've given listeners a lot of question marks there. If you were to pick one, I'm putting you on the spot a bit here, but if you were to pick one from that list, I think you could probably guess where you'll go with it. But what you know, you're going to have to stick the armband on someone. Who's it going to be? Yeah, so I think um, you know, out of those, out of all the players that we've mentioned, I do own quite a few of them. So D- DCL, Bruno, um, Son, Vardy, and Salah. I think I would probably go Vardy, and I think my Vice would probably end up being Salah, um, and I think it could be a game time decision only because I have always been tempted to do that thing that you just mentioned, which is just you know captain Salah on game week one and just ride him for the rest of the season and take those peaks and troughs, and and it's something that I've always thought about, um, but never really kind of ended up doing because I think week on week we we end up having these conversations and you think, oh, actually no, there's a better player that has a better matchup this week, case in, case in point being Jamie Vardy, and then you end up captaining Vardy and he'll, he'll blank and Salah will get two penalties and an assist and away you go um so so yeah I think I, you know, my toss-up would, would be between those two I think I'd be I'd happily take Bruno's returns but wouldn't necessarily be bothered about captaining him same with DCL um and Son is a player that may be looking to get off so so yeah I think I think I might give Vardy one last hurrah, I think, in my team before uh, before he gets transferred out. If you know, if if I end up feeling though uh, that's the best thing for for my free transfer. I mean, what about you? Um, it's tricky because I'm kind of I'm gonna I'm gonna have to wait and see what happens with um the t- with the team news and like uh press conferences and stuff because I'd be tempted by Bruno, um, just with the form he's been in and um. Yeah, the, the fact that there aren't many other standout options this week. So I think I'm going to, out of those, I'm probably going to have to go Bruno or, Bruno or Vardy. And uh, if I can, if I can, if I bring Vardy in, because he's not currently in my team. Um, so yeah, prob- probably Bruno, but or, or equally I do have Salah and it does, it does always worry me that I miss the week where, where he hauls. So I'm not, I'm not sure. Yeah, I think I think again, yeah, I might take a look at at, at the uh, at my mini league and see who 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 tends to be quite high owned in my mini league. I I think I'm at the stage of the season now where I'm wondering, you know, is a differential captain's pick worth it, or is it best just to kind of go with the safe option for captain? Um, I think a lot of my mini league own Salah, so maybe that's the safe pick, whereas Vardy would be a bit more of a differential one, but but could have a really high upside. So so yeah, I'm uh, I'm not sure, and I'll probably be um be making a decision right up until the deadline which is four o'clock on new year's day and i'm sure i'll be nursing a slight hangover while i make that decision which definitely will help um what you know what more do you need in when you're making fpl decisions other than a cloudy head and and muddled thinking well it'll probably do you better doesn't it wouldn't it i mean i i saw yeah there's plenty of teams you see out there where people just pick players because of the favorite kits or favorite names or something like that so why not have a hangover as well why not? Why not throw that into the mix? Uh, let's round up then with who the heck is stat. It's a game, little game we like to play where every week Andy and I alternate picking an FPL player. They have to be owned by at least 5% of FPL managers. And we have five guesses to guess who it is. If we get it after the first guess, we get five points. And after the second, four points and so on and so forth. Obviously, once we've made our first pick, we can 
stick with that player or twist and pick someone else. And that means that we don't reveal who it is until the very end, which hopefully aids you playing along at home. Um, I got two points last time we played, and he currently leads 16-14 on the season. Uh, I guess we're basically at the halfway mark, Andy. So, uh, so yeah, all to play for, really, as we as we head into the second half of the season. Um, and uh, yeah, it's me picking for you, me picking a player for you this week. I'm 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 I feel quite good about this one. Um, I, my main concern is whether it's too easy. But oh. hopefully, hopefully, I haven't put the mockers on that too uh too soon but yeah i think it's you know as with all these things without being all chris tarrant about it it's only easy if you know the answer right but i guess you know i, I feel a, a, a man that, that you know with, with a logical brain such as yours could could get this fairly fairly swiftly so we will see um but yeah no pressure now i've said that um i guess are you are you ready i am yes if listeners have made it this far through our show we deserve to give them the the quiz uh, so let's get on well, let's go for it right so first clue this player is in his seventh FPL season. He has scored more points this season than in his previous six combined. Who the heck is Stat? Wow. Hmm. That's one of those where obviously once I know it, um, it will be it will seem obvious. Um, that's so it's someone who's kind of been bit part multiple times, but then for whatever reason is is probably starting and, and doing well this season so I'm, I'm tempted i'm tempted to think bamford um just be, six would he have had six other seasons though that's the only he, he played for for chelsea he played for did he play for borough in the premier league or was that just in the or oh i'm, I'm getting confused now but i can't think of any other people who would have because to already it by this point even you know even if you are a Bamford and you've got I don't know what 70 80 90 points this season so far you know that means you've really scored very few points in any of those others to have all six combined to for for less so yeah to think of anyone who would have played so little or had so few points um I mean Ben Ben Teke you know has got has had a few points this year but he had a really good season with Villa didn't he so I doubt he's got more points uh this season than then who else is there trying to think if there's been like a defender or someone who's kind of just established themselves after a long period of sort of trying to break into a team uh it had been around long enough as well like not obviously not Lingard, but someone that you know when Lingard first broke into United's team a few years back, I can imagine that he might have been this type of player where in his first proper season he's probably got more points than the other six combined. So someone like that maybe for their club. Uh, I think Chelsea maybe like a, but but then yeah, as I say Gilmore, but no, he wouldn't have been there seven. Right, yeah. Well, for the sake of going for a pick. I'm going to have to go for Bamford and <laughs> yeah, I need more information. Don't I to help me think okay. of other players. Okay. okay. Uh, clue two. This player is now 0.5 million more expensive than he was at the start of the season. And is the joint 11th most expensive player at his position. Who the heck is stat? Hmm. That's tricky. 
because it makes me think not Bamford because I can't see him being the joint 11th highest, most expensive player at his position. What only only 10 strikers above 6.5 million. I guess maybe there is if I think about it in a sec, but the, but I know, but he has gone up 0.5. I think, or maybe, or has he actually gone up more than that? What did he start at? Because I think he's 6.5 now. I can't remember whether he started at 5.5 or 6. I've actually got a feeling he started at 5.5. So he might have gone up a full million, actually. Because he wasn't he wasn't as much, at, I don't think, at the start as those Mitrovic. Because we spoke a bit about like Mitrovic and uh, Batshuayi at 6 mil. And I think Bamford was less than them at the start. Hmm. So that would suggest not him. Well, that's the first time I've really thought about that, though. The fact that because because I've only just recently bought him myself, I know he's he's gone up to six point five. The fact that if he was five point five, he's gone up a full million in value this season. That's that's a lot. But anyway, I need to think of someone who would have gone up zero point five and be the joint eleventh. Most expensive. Okay, so I'm now thinking maybe Martinez because he's been at Arsenal for quite a while. And although I think I heard on the TV the other day something like 11 seasons, but I guess he could have been out on loans and just played the odd game for Arsenal, which would be why. <clears throat> although he did play, play a fair few games towards the end of last season. So the fact he'd, he'd need to have more points now than he did uh with just playing that last bit of last season. I guess that's possible. Um, he, he has gone up by 0.5. Um, and he would be, I mean, joint 11th doesn't sound outrageous because what, there's only like Edison who's 6 million as a keeper. So if, 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 if Martinez is five, then there's going to be like maybe a handful at 5.5 and maybe one or two who were started at five that have gone up a bit maybe, but, Maybe there wouldn't even be quite 10. But it's hard thinking. I mean, I'm fortunate that, that he even popped into my mind, really, because I'm trying to think of anyone else who could have had that thing of the getting more points this season than the rest combined. So hmm. I'm definitely twisting off Bamford. I'm fairly convinced myself that he, he, he was 5.5 when we started. So... Uh, joint 11th highest, I guess, if we go in for like Walker last week, didn't I? When it was City, and so what would, where would defenders be? Joint, joint. Mm. Someone like a Chilwell would, he'd be. Well, now he's too expensive. He wouldn't have been. I'm trying to think, who else? Could Robertson have? But he's obviously, I know, no, too expensive. Defenders, what? striker yeah okay let's 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 twist to martinez for now no problem uh so clue three this player has more bonus points this season than any of his teammates and has the second most out of his position group who the heck is stat well this could still be martinez i would not be surprised if he had the most bonus points for villa he's had quite a few this season they've had more clean sheets than anyone I know that from having done the research um, and he I think I saw earlier or some point that 
Pope might have had the most bonus points of goalkeepers. So it's perfectly possible that Martinez might be might be second. Um, and I think what they were saying about Pope was that because Burnley have only scored like nine goals or something this season, yeah, obviously there aren't other players in his team. I suppose there are other players in the Villa team that could take bonus points off him. Like, I wonder how much the Grealishes and stuff have had. Um, but then he does regularly get, like, being an owner of Martinez, I do see him getting a fair few bonuses. Mm, I know Bamford's had a few as well, so if I hadn't ruled him out in the last one, I, I would still be thinking him. It's just Martinez ticks a lot of those boxes. I know he's gone up 0.5. Does he have the most bonus points for his team? That... <laughs> I think I think I've got I think I've got to stick with Martinez, but what could you just read read the clue again? Yeah, so this player has more bonus points this season than any of his teammates, and has the second most out of his position group. Second most out of his position group, yeah. Hmm. There aren't many goalkeepers that I don't think are going to have more than than him. I suppose obviously it could not be a goalkeeper, but. Well, just no, because he couldn't be eleventh. Oh, just someone that just came into my mind was Harry Kane. I think he's gone up 0.5 million, but actually, I don't know if he's if he he wouldn't obviously wouldn't be joint eleventh most expensive. Uh, could Bruno? Nah, they can't be. Can't be ten. He's gone up 0.5, or maybe he's gone up more than that now. Actually. I think there can't be ten people more expensive than him, and he. But he wouldn't also wouldn't have had seven FPL seasons. Kane would have done, but he can't. Okay, let's stick with Martinez. Stick with Martinez. Okay, so clue four. This player has played every single available minute for his club this season. Who the heck is is that? Okay, I think Martinez has. There were some question marks over whether he would start in that first game they had because they bought him very late on. Did they buy him before they first played? I can't quite remember now. I think they did. Because I, I do remember him going straight into the team like a day or two after he signed. Because I remember you and I talking about him, Chris, and me saying he it sounds like he's going to go straight in the team and you were like, what, He's only you weren't sure? Obviously, Villa didn't play in game week one because the fixture was postponed. Uh, this that this could that could apply to to plenty of people, but I think it does apply to Martinez. It isn't giving me enough to switch off him, so uh, I have to. I think I have to stick with with Martinez. Sticking. Yeah, I think so. Okay, okay. Clue five. This player is the highest owned goalkeeper in the game. Right, well, yeah, that doesn't give me anything to want to move off him. And now that I know it's a goalkeeper, definitely. Uh, and I think it's probably likely he's the highest owned as well. So I'm going to stick again with Emmy Martinez. Four points, Mr. Case. Oh, yes. That's a big, that's a big, that's a big hole, that. Oh. I really, really like... And this, is, this isn't just because I'm desperate to win the game. 
I mean, it's partly because of that, but I just think for the drama of the pod, we need an, we need an occasion where you come off the right answer and have to go back to it. We need, <laughs> we need that. And when you were going into clue three, I was like, oh, you might come off it here. You might come off it here, but but you didn't. You held, you held, you held firm. And yeah, well, I think, points. I think with this new uh, with this new Tom McDermott rule that we've added to uh, to our game here, I need a fair bit of evidence to. It, you know, if I'm not sure, then obviously the probability play is to stick with what you've got, right? Because you're going to get more points if you get it right. So just the pure numbers of it suggest like you have to have something that really strongly sort of, and that third one, you know, as you could probably tell with my thinking, you know, that, that did make me think it could well be other people. And I wasn't hundred percent sure Martinez would definitely fit those. Was it like most bonus points for his team or whatever? But because I didn't, because he could, it was it was fe- it was reasonably possible that he could, and I couldn't think of anyone obvious that definitely ticked all those other boxes as well. There was just just wasn't enough evidence for me to to risk like losing another point over, so I had to stick with him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Grealish has got one fewer bonus point than him, and has uh, and he's fifth among midfielders or joint fifth among among midfielders. So yeah, that was the I guess that that was what I hoped might if you if if you were on Martinez already, that's what I kind of thought might maybe switch you off him. Um, just thinking about Jack Grealish, but but yeah, there we go, four points. Oh, you're building up quite a lead here. I need yeah. to pull 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 the proverbial socks up, but I can go away and think about that. In the uh, in the build up to game week seventeen, but in the build up to game week seventeen, Andy, if people would like to get in touch with us to talk about their team, how can they do that? Well, they can find us on Twitter or Instagram at fpl underscore lounge. Do give us uh, do give us a, che- a cheeky cheeky like or or what is it? Is it a f- five star rating wherever you get your podcast from? It all helps in the algorithm, and not only that, it would make Andy and I feel really special going into 2021 uh, we do hope that that, that 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 you're enjoying the podcast and that you're getting uh, that you're getting something at least something out of it i know that andy and i are really enjoying enjoying putting it together um even if you know i do end up spending far too much of my time in the week talking to andy um it's uh, it, 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 it's, it's all lovely isn't it isn't it? it gives you a warm and fuzzy feeling well it does you know you shouldn't you shouldn't define your life by other people liking your podcast but i'm not gonna lie if more 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 people give it five star ratings it would make us feel good you know no one needs to give us any sympathy we don't have to do this but on the other hand it's worth saying we don't make any money out of it we're just doing this for the love of fpl and we've spent you know five hours or six hours of our day on the 30th of, of december providing content for people with a review and a preview show so um if uh, if if that makes anyone feel compelled enough just to give us a simple like to make it feel worth our while then we would be very appreciative of it absolutely absolutely yeah certainly i mean i'm not sure when we'll be back again andy i guess i guess we're basically back to normal now aren't we i think well roughly yes we will have our review show recording on monday uh so out for tuesday as is kind of the normal schedule for a review show but then obviously the following weekend is an fa cup weekend and not so what that means for what we'd usually do with a preview on the thursday i'm not quite sure we'll we'll have to work that out but yes review on monday or tuesday yeah so and, and then i think yeah, it's still in january i think there are there are definitely a couple of uh, a couple of midweek games so um so yeah we'll have to work out what we're going to do uh, but no 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 rest for the fpl lounge and, and even though you know, the lounge implies that we'll be having our feet up by a nice cozy warm fire and we will still be churning out plenty of podcast content uh, but andy enjoy uh, game week 17 despite um i'm sure there's 
going to be some coronavirus related drama and i'm sure we'll, you know we'll, we'll do all we can to, uh, to to bring that coverage to our listeners but until until we speak again thanks for joining us in the fpl lounge <laughs>